Thank you for joining us for the ninth episode of Nib on This, the Coco Terra podcast. My name is Erin, and I will be your host today. If you are wondering what Coco Terra is, well, it is the brand behind the first fully automated tabletop chocolate maker. Visit cocoterra.com, that's C-O-C-O-T-E-R-R-A.com to learn more about home chocolate making and be sure to check out our chocolate blog. You can also learn how to pre-order your own Coco Terra chocolate maker. Nib on This aims to bring our listeners the best and brightest from the world of cacao and chocolate. We will explore the many layers and deep-rooted origins of chocolate in hopes of bringing awareness and new perspectives to this global community. Today, we are honored to have with us Jonas Ketzler, founder of Aura Cacao, a ceremonial cacao brand from Northern California. Hello, and thank you for joining us. You're welcome. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited for you to be here too. So, um, so let's get started with some basics. What is ceremonial cacao? And how is it different from regular cacao or chocolate? And what is a cacao ceremony? To begin, ceremonial cacao is, I I think of it as meeting four core criteria. There's a lot of things I look for in in cacao sourcing and, and in making ceremonial cacao, but we've, we get this question a lot. So we've distilled it down to um, ceremonial cacao has to be ethically sourced. So we're talking direct trade relationships, not commodity supply chain kind of thing, like, you know, going way and above beyond fair trade, um, really looking to uh, create meaningful and reciprocal relationships with the communities that we source from um, that are beyond just an economic, you know, transaction for a tropical commodity. And one of the things, too, is we know about cacao trees is that they grow among other trees. And so it's not like you can just plant a cacao farm. And so I think that that is something that you're really addressing. And I mean, that reciprocity is just so needed as well. Yeah. And that's actually that's actually the second criteria that we have for ceremonial cacao. It's a great segue is um, that it's regeneratively organically farmed in an agroforestry system. So, um, you know, cacao can grow in more of a plantation style in full sunlight, but it's, it's not how the tree prefers to grow. Um, conventionally, they'll do it because it creates higher yields. Um, but the trees, you know, they, they have a shorter life cycle. They, Exactly. They don't really like it. Um, and it's it's not good from a diversity standpoint. Um, cacao is actually one of the best candidates. So I, I actually was just reading this this morning, and I love this. Um, is an indigenous leader from the Amazon saying that you cannot protect the rainforest without protecting the people who live there, who are the original defenders of the forest, because conservation exists in a human and nature system. It's, it's one and the same. Humans are part of nature. And so you, you, con- conservation of tropical ecosystems, not about removing the people and setting aside preserves. It's actually about creating sustainable long-term systems that give people good livelihood, managing those ecosystems and tending to those ecosystems. And, and I would say in the ideal state, actually regenerative regenerating those ecosystems. It's absolutely what's needed. Yeah. And in our current system, cacao is actually one of 
the best crops that we have for providing um, cash value to people working in a regenerative agroforestry system because of its um, because it, it it lends itself well for premium export, and so often often cacao is the main cash crop for farmers that are, you know, that have three dozen different uh, medicinal and and edible plants going on their farms or or more than that. You know, it's it's really the rainforest has this ability. I, I mean, the rainforest ecosystems are incredibly diverse, and uh, some of the places I've gone, like it's literally like walking through a living medicine cabinet. It's totally yeah. amazing. And the knowledge of the indigenous peoples of these rainforest ecosystems is just so vast. And, and, and we need that, you know, like to relate with a natural ecosystem um, takes a lot more knowledge um, and, and, and depth of relationship than just kind of putting it aside and saying, oh, that's nature. We're just going to protect it and not being involved. And it's what's passed down through generations. And like you said, it's all one in the same nature and people like we're humans, we're part of nature. And it's not something like you said, you can just set aside. It's something that that knowledge is so vast and you can't just learn it without being there or being part of that culture and having it passed down. One thing that I did notice too is that you really have this um, donation that you donation fund that you give back, and it's a yearly thing with interest because I know that you ethically source from many different places, and like you said, they don't have insurance. Things can happen. There can be rot. There can be rain. All of these different things that can happen. So I think that is one of the things that is absolutely brilliant, and I really appreciate that uh, you do that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So you're talking about our smallholder farmers insurance fund, which is something that we came up with because we actually encountered the problem that even paying the best prices in the country for cacao, um, you know, cacao exists in the context of over 500 years of colonization and genocide of the communities that grow cacao. In today's market, you know, we can pay, we'll, we'll pay as much as we possibly can for cacao. Um, but if you actually pay too much, you start introducing other problems. Like, like you'll get people cutting down other crops to, 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 and like deforesting, like say mature trees of other crops to plant cacao. It, it follows that agricultural boom and bust cycle. So that's actually a problem with the capitalist system of exchange, you know, that we have. And so that's that's where it's kind of like we can actually only do so much with the price of cacao. We can't possibly write 500 years of injustice with just yeah. the price of cacao alone. So that's why we need multiple avenues of reciprocity. And so that's why we, that's where we began looking at like, okay, what are the actual needs of people on the ground? What are other ways that we can support and exchange with our farmers? And so this is something that emerged from that. And that's that's kind of what we're talking about in, in those direct trade relationships is, is creating not just a single avenue of exchange and reciprocity, but multiple. So the third thing that we look for in ceremonial cacao is is the processing of it. Um, and we call this the 100% pure step. We're really trying to keep the, the spirit of the cacao, the original essence of the cacao, um, as close to how it was coming off the plant 
but with the processing needed to make it into chocolate. So um, to this, I really looked to the, in, the, the original cultures that process cacao. Um, I actually first encountered uh, chocolate making using traditional tools in Oaxaca, Mexico. Um, and, you know, literally we roasted cacao beans over an open fire. We peeled them with our hands and we ground them with stones. And even though this process was so primitive and, and it, it created a rather gritty chocolate, there was this aliveness to the chocolate that I, that I was like, how is this missing from every chocolate that I've ever had before? Like I, 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 I couldn't yes. quite quantify what it was, but something about just very minimally working with the cacao, that was all that it needed. And unfortunately, um, the industrial processes that have kind of taken over the majority of chocolate making today, um, they're, they're much more intense. They, the, the chocolate loses a lot of that character that when you're just lightly working with it, um, it, it that stays with it. Um, part of that is because um, industrial processes, um, they, they're so intense because they're masking quality issues on the incoming cacao. So the, those first two points, you know, if you're not ethically sourcing the cacao, if you're not sourcing the cacao from a regenerative organic system, if you're not paying attention to quality, if you're not paying people to do a quality ferment, things like that, um, you'll get some pretty low quality cacao. And, um, you know, where it's purely about commodity cacao, they pay on volume, not quality. So like literally they will throw anything <laughs> into, into the bag to, uh, yeah. get, to get the volume. You know, it's, 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 it's kind of said that it's like, oh yeah, even 5% sticks and stones is acceptable. So like if you're paying a 5% premium, you're just not getting sticks and stones in your cacao. Yes. And the industrial processors, they actually have machines to sort out the sticks and stones. You know, it's like literally that's how endemic those practices are because they're only paying for volume. Um, and then they need processes that can mask the poor quality, which initially, say we're talking about roasting, is heavily over-roasting the cacao. If you kind of almost lightly burn all the cacao, that's actually the flavor that's present in the majority of industrial chocolate. We actually confuse the taste for chocolate with like over-roasted cacao. Um, when you lightly roast the cacao, it has so many different flavor notes, so many different essences. It's a lot more like wines. Um, and, and it's not just about flavor. It's actually about the energy of the cacao at that point too. Like it's, it's just, it's, it's a completely different being. Thank you for sharing that for me because I am, um, that's something that I don't think You're our welcome. listeners are really aware of is, you know, just the making sure that it's just lightly roasted and as opposed to what we're, you know, mostly exposed to as consumers as something being overly roasted cacao so wonderful yeah that actually came out of a blind tasting seminar where we were tasting chocolate roast defects and we were trying to like and then after we were like we're tasting what those defects were we're like oh okay that's how that chocolate was made to be defective and we were like oh my god that flavor that i grew up with like that's i now know that to be over roasted chocolate that's so crazy <laughs> that's so interesting and in, and in Yes, to be able to to be blind, that, what an experience to be blindfolded, obviously, to take that sense away, but then to be able to recognize like, that's what I knew as a child, or in my childhood growing up versus this is how it's really supposed to be and tasting that spirit 
And then the flip side of that, which there's been a whole movement that said, okay, actually chocolate should be raw. You don't want to roast it because people have this, you know, once they know, oh, industrial chocolate roasts at way too high temperature, well, then we should just not roast it, you know, but that's also that's that's also kind of misguided because no traditional culture doesn't roast their cacao. And it's it's really self-evident once you start roasting the beans. That's a big part of where the magic is. The cacao likes a little bit of fire. It's just, it's just, it needs to be done with nuance. Um, you know, and, and, and people cite studies such as like, well, if you roast the cacao even a little bit, the antioxidant content goes down. And it's like, yes, that's true, but you're actually, the roasting also creates other compounds that are beneficial. And I don't know, I don't eat, I, I personally don't eat chocolate for antioxidants. Like I would eat a I would eat a flat of blueberries for antioxidants or there's other things to go to for antioxidants. If, if that's the specific thing you're concerned about, or you could just eat unroasted cacao beans. But when you could have the flavor of chocolate and all the magical alchemy of chocolate, um, you know, I, 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 I would rather have it roasted and roasted in, in just the right way to like bring out all that nuance and such. Um, and, and have less concern concerned about maintaining the highest possible level of antioxidants. So you kind of make some decisions there. So the, the fourth piece of ceremonial cacao, I, I, I call this sipped with intention. And it's all about the person who's consuming the chocolate, actually. And it's, it's, it's actually exactly that word that we're looking at, which is it's about so much more than consuming. It's really about relating with it. Because Cacao is 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 more than just a superfood. It's more than just candy. It's if you're open to it, it, it actually it has a spirit to it. Um, it's one of the great communicators communicators of the tree world. Um, it's 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 a spirit that that is um, connects with our beings really really as a medicine that it activates our empathy um, and it, it connects us to the web of life that we're so interwoven in um, and to ignore that ignoring like many many centuries of human history with this plant um, so so we, we really that's why we're really excited about every person who comes to us to work with our cacao is because we know they're curious about this. We're, they're, they're curious in a deeper level of relationship. There's, there's almost like a certain poverty when we don't relate to the world as if we're deeply connected with it. Um, it's it's exactly, this relationship exactly. with of life, recognizing our, our interconnection um, that at least for me personally, has has added so many levels of, of richness and beauty. Um, so, so, so um, this last part of ceremonial cacao, it you know, I, I can give you, I can give you cacao that's regenerative, that's ethical, that's you know, manufactured in in a very attuned way, um, keeping the original spirit alive. And if you if you don't come to it with intention, though, a lot of that potential is almost lost on you. And it, it brings out the magic of cacao in a way that, um, you know, it, I, I've seen it again and again. Like, it's not about the quantity of cacao that you consume. It's it's really about the intention that you bring to it. Um, I've, I've, heard, I've had some of the most profound experiences with just a very, very small amount of cacao um, and, and a high, high amount of intention. And 
it's not just intention. Um, it's, it's also, so, so relating with plants is, is an interesting thing because, uh, you know, trees don't talk in English, nor they, do they talk in Spanish. Um, they, they, they have their own language. Um, they, they work in the language of plants and humans are actually capable of tuning into those languages though. Um, it, it's, it's, a, you know, it's interspecies communication, but our ability to do so doesn't come from the intellect. It comes from our hearts. Um, and so exactly. in order to really be communicating well from our hearts, we need to, we almost kind of like need to activate our heart. We need to prime our hearts. And, and, and the way, the way to do that is with gratitude is to, is to speak words of gratitude, to, to practice the skill of gratitude. It's actually considered a skill, um, that, you know, other, other cultures and societies, they, they train you in gratitude, um, and so, so we can actually train ourselves in gratitude. We can, we can practice gratitude to become more grateful on a day-to-day basis, which is also just beneficial for so many other reasons. I do that every day and yeah. I am all about plant medicine, just side note. Um, and so mm-hmm. this leads kind of to the second question, which you're already talking about. Um, so I would like if you have anything else to add, so is there an is there an historical or cultural significance to the ca- cacao c- ceremony? That is a a very nuanced question. We could talk. We we could literally take the whole call to talk about that. I know that that should be the only question. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay because there's many other topics also that are really interesting that I'm glad we're, we're, we're touching in on. Um, but to, uh, to say it briefly, um, it, it, it's like a yes and a no, because modern day cacao ceremony is not an ancient cultural practice whatsoever. It's, it's, a, it's a modern way of attempting to reconnect ourselves, of, of creating relationship with the sacred plant from, from tropical regions that many of us are quite disconnected from. And, and, and it's an opportunity to connect ourselves, um, you know, to reclaim some of the connection that we've lost um, you know, I, many of our ancestors and, and for like, say, Europeans, we have to look pretty far back because we've been living in various forms of colonized systems for a long time. It's actually um, it's uh, many of us just don't even know what living decolonized looks like because we've had forms of colonization for such a long time. And it, it really doesn't serve any of us. It, it, it just disconnects us. Um and you're speaking to somebody who's living in Spain. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, and and of, of German origin myself. So um, we've right. had this for a long time, but we do we do have that ancestry. You know, there there are ancient shamanic European traditions and and and, and European medicine. So that that does exist, and there is a resurgence of that. Um, cacao. One of the beautiful things is like cacao doesn't care. Doesn't care where you're from. It's it's a medicine of the earth. You're a person of the earth. Um, it is happy to work with you. Yeah. Any plant. Yeah. Cacao does come from cultures that, you know, that before Europeans got to the Americas, the Aztecs, the Mayans, the Olmecs, the Zapotec, that that had extensive traditions with cacao. Cacao was a central part of their society because they understood how it awakens empathy and gratitude, connects us to our heart, helps us make decisions from those places. Um, so cacao was highly revered. Um, in many ways, though, um, they don't practice cacao ceremony in the way that we would today um, because their entire worldview is different. So 
relating relating with a plant like cacao, they would do that with corn. They would do it with tobacco. They they have this kind of active reciprocal dynamic relationship with plants as a natural part of their day-to-day experience. So, you know, like the the basic things that, you know, I'm talking about in terms of gratitude and intention, they'd be like, well, that's not a ceremony. That's just a way of being. Like, <laughs> you know, like that that that's our baseline. That's just a way of being. And I'm I'm part of this. It's the connectedness. They do have some specific cacao ceremonies. Um, that, you know, they would do on certain occasions um, that I tell people it's, you know, they're not even necessarily for us to emulate because they occur in a particular cultural context and time that we're not in. Um, of course, we can always learn from traditional, from indigenous traditions, um, but in many ways, it's it's not for us to replicate. Um, and And what we do share is, is how to really it's it's more of the it's, it's less of the like what were they doing and more of the how were they doing it you know how were they coming to this relationship with cacao how were they stewarding it and what can we learn from them i think that that's the most important takeaway uh what can we learn from them exactly so you you did mention earlier that you first started um producing cacao in oaxaca the, you know, like the old traditional ancient way. Um, but I would like to expand on that a little bit more. So beyond that, it seems like quite a career change. I mean, from engineering, <laughs> I know that you went, to, I know that you graduated from Stanford. Um, and then you also worked a lot on um, affordable solar energy systems for disadvantaged communities, mostly in India, right? And East Africa. So I'm just wondering, like, how Mm -hmm. you made that change into producing cacao and then going into ceremonial cacao. Totally. Um, It was never something I could have planned. And I'm actually very grateful that today (laughs) still I can use a bit of my engineering background because cacao does have a lot of engineering on the manufacturing side of it. Um, So there has been a continuity of being able to use what I studied. Um, but yeah, originally I went into, into access to solar and, and solar technology for rural communities. Um, so, you know, from that sense, there's also continuity, which is pretty much my entire career. I've worked with communities in rural places, like the, the places that we source cacao from often have very little access to electricity, you know, and, and so some of the decentralized solar right. systems that I was working are, are, those are exactly the kind of communities that we were working with. And... Um, back in that career, um, a lot of what we did was need finding. So, um, you know, uh, there's there's kind of the like Western philanthropic mindset of like, oh, we know what's good for these people on another part of the planet that are poor, you know, and that's, exactly. that's not really the engineering methodology. The problem solving is, you know, I, I, otherwise you end no. up with something that's over engineered and it's completely the point. You actually go to the country of origin, you you spend a lot of time observing and talking to people. It's, it's much more like permaculture. People don't realize that good design is is very connected to permaculture. Um, and, and that and that good design, you know, that that it, it's it's called human centered design and, and human centered engineering. Um, that's where you come up with innovations that 
then uniquely solve a problem and and make it culturally relevant. Um, and that's exactly what we were doing with solar powered lighting and solar powered cell phone charging solution is actually really studying what would be an appropriate solution for there rather than just taking like, oh, big solar panels work here. Let's send them over there. Um, that's how you get a lot of the misinformed aid projects that waste a lot of money and have very little social outcome on the ground. I see a similarity between that and then also what we're talking about, like cacao and like making a cacao, like farming and you know, it, it really takes a lot. There's a lot of comparison between that work, right? And obviously that makes total sense to, you know, really see the environment, assess it and see what it, what is going to be the most beneficial and not just coming in and taking over and thinking we know best. Yeah, it's, um, there's definitely been a continuity to it. And, and you know, for, for me with making cacao, it's, it's really informed my manufacturing process, you know, rather than like just learning traditional chocolate making tools and being like, well, oh, that's primitive and we have a better way of making it with tools. It's actually like, well, how can we use some of our mechanized tools to mimic this process that's been around for a very long time? Because because there is validity. There's a reason why they do it this way. Uh, and, and and to really study that and, and, and honor that long amount of human tradition that's gone into the development of cacao, just because in the last hundred years, you know, we have, we have electricity, we have gears, we have motors and things like that. Um, it doesn't mean we should just completely ignore the centuries of human tradition and, and ways of relating to cacao before that, because, you know, it, it's kind of like with, with any new thing, if, you, if you're moving too fast, sometimes you lose some of the old wisdom. And, you know, I, I feel like you see that very much with chocolate. It's the too. wisdom. Like we've forgotten how to relate with it. Yeah, we put way too much sugar in it. And at that point, you actually lose a lot of the health benefits of it. Um, we overprocess it. So then all of a sudden, you, you lose access to the spirit of cacao, to having that more profound connection and and so on and so forth. So um, I have twofold experiences that I really wanted to talk to you about. So last year, I had the great privilege to visit Oaxaca. And I participated in a group ceremonial cacao like cacao ceremony. And then back in 2019, I was in Guatemala in Lake Atitlan, gorgeous, right? Um, and I know that you, you sourced mm -hmm. from there as well. And I was given for my birthday some ceremonial cacao, but I had no instructions or no like information on how to, you know, what to do. And so my question to you is like, what is the difference between doing it in a group setting and then doing it individually. There, there's an undeniable magic to a group setting. You know, it, it, it's it's to people coming together to to meet in connection and and to connect with the plant. Um, so it, I I would really categorize that as you know if you, if you can go to a cacao ceremony where you're with a group of other people, it's a beautiful experience, um, and that's a lot of what. I was seeing happening um, at first um, because of my own experience of also just having access to cacao and being able to sit with it every day. I also realized that there's an enormous depth of relationship that happens when you can access it in your own space without other people around. Um, where you can just be you however you need to be, no social filters, 
and and where you have this frequency of connection. You know, it, it's it's like many of your you think about relating with a person like there's there's a degree of frequency which matters you know if you only go to a cacao ceremony like say once a year you're not going to develop a depth of relationship with cacao in the way that if you're able to sit with it every morning um so um i really recommend both to people um <laughs> they're, 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 they're kind of just different experiences and they're both really powerful and, and they complement each other i i found that to be um very true. Once I understood a little bit more, I did want to mention, I noticed too, that you offer is that every Tuesday via Zoom, a kind of a group uh, ceremonial cacao session. Is that still happening? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Since, since uh, about three years ago, we've been consistent with every Tuesday offering a global live Zoom cacao ceremony call. Uh, we have a rotating set of facilitators, so it's always something different. Uh, and it's a beautiful way to just come together over Zoom with other people relating with cacao and, and to have a shared experience. Um, and, you know, it's just to like give an inkling into what a group process with cacao looks like. Um, what comes through in a group um, you know, for each individual is often not just for themselves, but it ends up being transformational for somebody else to hear that person share about their process, to hear about some insight that came through. Exactly. Um, for myself, um, you know, like my gratitude benefits from hearing other people speak gratitude, you know, because it helps remind me of what I'm grateful for, because even as much as the practice gratitude i forget you know and and hearing other people speak beautifully about what they're grateful for in their lives it's it's it, it activates that it is remarkable how effective it is over zoom i was i was not convinced at first until like experienced it a few times um you know and then i would say um doing that personal cacao practice with a cup of cacao you know it's, it's kind of an opportunity to integrate that group experience and and really make that experience of strengthening gratitude and intention setting on your own or just with a single you know with a friend invite a friend over and drink cacao together that's just as valid of a cacao ceremony as as doing it in a group you know um, so I've really enjoyed bringing cacao into my relationship so I, I really wanted to move on to the next question and so there are people who promote themselves as a, a cacao shaman. Um, is ceremonial cacao linked to shamanic practice in some way? And what are your thoughts on both of those things? I get major red flags when I hear about somebody self-proclaiming themselves as a shaman. Um, so at Aura, we actually offer a cacao facilitator training that gives people the foundations and like a really solid knowledge about cacao and there's a lot. There's a lot to learn about, as you can see on the, this call. We're just scratching the surface, but we're by no ways, and we don't claim to be initiating shamans. Like, you know, shamanic training in indigenous cultures is is like a lifelong mystery school. Yeah. Um, it it is a way of being, and there's no ways that even like 500 hours of study is going to make you a shaman. Um, this it, it it's not a it's not about it's not about the ego it's not a credential it's not something you get a certificate for um you know shamanism is is a way of being that exists at the intersection of the human world and the natural world um people who work in the shamanic realm they they're kind of 
uh, to a certain degree on the edge of society um, because they, they travel into those other worlds and they come back with information going both. Um, so they're, they're communicators um, for, for human societies and cultures between, between those worlds. It's, it's a very important role in indigenous societies. And it's also not something to be taken lightly at all. It's, no. it's often like very intense, there's ground initiations. So, um, you know, I, yeah, I really, <laughs> no, it, 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 in many ways it's like, uh, you, you're not, um, you, 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 yeah, you, you don't self-initiate or claim to be a shaman. It's, it's almost something that happens to you. And I've heard too, that even the word shaman is like not even something that is used if you are a shaman or if you are around a shop, you know, the shamanic culture, it's something kind of that we kind we've created in a way to identify um, and then capitalize on. Totally. Um, on a similar note, like, you know, I, I actually personally believe a lot of what we these days call cacao ceremony is more appropriately called cacao ritual. You know, like a ceremony is often like a really special occasion. Okay. You know, and and if I'm drinking my cacao day to day, I don't even call that cacao ceremony. I call it, you know, this is my daily cacao ritual or cacao meditation. I was going to ask that question. Yeah, it's part of your daily your your daily routine yeah, in a way. Yeah, it, it, and it you know it, it it becomes part of my way of being. Um, but uh, the ceremony is like is a special occasion, um, and 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 by all means, like more ceremony in our lives is a good thing. Um, but I think it's, it's become overused. Um, and, and there's definitely been reaction to that of it being overused. I I think that's a healthy thing. You know, I think, I think we're figuring out how to relate with this, um, and, and, and properly integrated into our culture. Yeah, I think so. And I, and I agree as well. And, um, that leads me to our last question, which you, which you briefly touched on. So, you know, with your brand, Aura Cacao, so you not only offer the cacao ceremony kits in a variety, um, which is really exciting, uh, that comes from different ethical sources and different uh, locations, but you also, you know, offer courses like you mentioned. And so could you tell us more about how people and our listeners who are interested can start to experience the cacao ritual or the cacao ceremony. Yeah. Um, so we have a cacao foundations one-on-one course, which is like, that's like 45 bucks or something. Um, and you can get it with our cacao kit and it's a almost three week long series of, of prompts of like journal inquiries. And then the later half of the course, audio meditations, um, as a way to guide you into deeper connection with cacao. Um, you know, I, relating with plants and, and communicating with the plant like cacao can be quite foreign to most of us. It's definitely something I had to learn over time. And so these series of meditations, they, they can really help you just drop into cacao. We've, we've had people just, you know, giving us the feedback that they're so glad that they started with that kind of guidance. Um, because it is a new way of, of thinking and relating. It's, it's almost like a, it's, it's, it's like a self retraining, you know, of something that most of us have just considered candy for a long time. So it makes sense, you know, that people are like, 
what are you talking about? It's just chocolate, you know, kind of thing. Um, it, it just takes making a different experience and, and, and a few repeat experiences of that. The other thing that I kind of passed over earlier that I wanted to mention to people, because I think some of the listeners in the space might also, you know, be interested in making their own chocolate and, and, and be in the bean to bar space. Like I, I think, um, you know, bean to bar chocolate making, like it does a lot of things right in terms of ethical sourcing, in terms of regenerative ag, in terms of processing the cacao fairly minimally. I would say in many cases still adding too much sugar, but um, you know, th- there's a lot of overlap. Um, we've had people ask, well, it's like, well, can can you do a cacao ceremony with a well-sourced bean to bar chocolate bar? And I would say like, yes, and. Like there's what we do at Aura like is a cacao ceremony with the entire chocolate making process. You know, we're holding we're holding this awareness of of uh, people using cacao as medicine, of desiring to relate with it, and we're infusing that into every part of the process. Um, uh, the whole culture at Aura is is built around cacao ceremony, and I would say that adds to people's ability to later on work with it as medicine. Exactly. You know, it, it, it's hard to quantify that kind of thing, but I, you know, I wouldn't want to get my medicine from somebody who's not interested in the spiritual side of cacao, you know, and, 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 and just is kind of looking to make a quick buck being like, oh yeah, this qualifies, here you go, you know, like there's something more to it. And ultimately it's, you know, it's, it, it's, there's a desire for it to to come with people at least who are, who are looking at it with the same awareness, tuning into the medicine, because that informs ultimately subtle changes in in how we're processing it. You know, or like actually we want we want to change our process slightly so that the spirit of it comes through more. And and ultimately, I think that's that's noticeable. On the on the flip side of that, I would also say there's a lot of ceremonial cacao being offered there by people who don't have foundations in fine chocolate, like who don't grind their chocolate properly, who leave some really lousy off notes in there. Like I've, I've had a lot of ceremony cacao handed to me that I've had to spit out because I'm like, oh my God, the quality of this is so bad. <laughs> so um, there, there's this fine line <laughs> where I think being to bar chocolate making, you know, meets health and meets ceremonial cacao where when those are all present, it can create a really beautiful product. But I would say individually, like bean to bar chocolate is not ceremonial cacao. Ceremonial cacao is not bean to bar chocolate. You know, they, they, they each are good at certain things. And, um, you know, that is part of why Oric just specifically is, is to bring the best of those together. That's absolutely wonderful. And again, want to express my gratitude and appreciation for all of your work and being able to present it. Um, in such a clear and concise way for especially like our listeners that are interested in this and that you offer courses, that you offer the groups, um, that you offer kits that are a different variety, that there's just so much information. And um, I think that that really expresses your passion for wanting to spread this into the world. And that's just such a beautiful thing. Definitely. I mean, it's it's changed my life in ways that I could have never imagined. And that's, you know, of, of course, I want to share that with other people. And it's such a magical plant um, that I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm honestly just so excited that 
cacao ceremonies gotten so much traction that there's so many people interested in having a deeper relationship with this plant and, and learning where it comes from and learning how to connect with it ceremonially or, or just ritually. Um, so, um, yeah, it's a really exciting time and, and definitely come learn with us. Um, we put a lot of effort into our courses and, and into our, our ceremonial offerings. Like education is like, you know, I, I, I kind of like, I feel like I stepped into chocolate accidentally and then I just kept learning things and I kept discovering things. And it, it's just, it's a microcosm of many of the global issues that we face today um, through the lens of something really delicious and something that makes you feel really good. <laughs> so it brings some really amazing people together. Well, it's been quite a journey. I mean, life is a journey and you're learning so much and you're going to continue to do that. And I've just been really grateful to be able to have this conversation with you and I really hope that our listeners have learned so much um, as much as I have and I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you for having me. Giannis, we are very grateful for your presence today as I've expressed. We hope that all of you, our listeners, enjoyed it as well and you can learn more about Giannis and Aura Cacao at ceremonial dash cacao.com also be sure to follow coco terra on social media and if you have any comments or additional questions for Jonas, please leave them here and we'd really love to hear from you <laughs>